Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, over the last month or so, the World Cup of football, or soccer if you prefer, took place in Qatar. In fact, the tournament just wrapped up this morning. Now, I happened to watch a little bit of it uh, here and there. There were some exciting matches throughout the tournament. However, while watching some of the action, I was struck by one completely different detail beyond the actual sport itself. I was surprised to see just how much time people spent praying during the soccer games. Yes, when the cameras focused on the crowd, many fans certainly looked like they were praying, especially near the end of the game. The fans supporting the team in the lead were no doubt praying their team would hold on to the lead. The fans supporting the team behind were no doubt praying for a miraculous comeback. It makes sense in a way. If you worship soccer, then you're probably going to pray in those moments. Now, I must say it's indeed good for Christians to pray to God for victory, but not when it comes to our favorite soccer team or any other sports team for that matter. Instead, there's a much greater victory for which we need to pray for all of us, that we need to pray for victory. We need God to give us victory over the devil. We need victory over sin and temptation. That's the victory we really need in this life, all of us. This is also something the Lord Jesus teaches us with the last petition of the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's what we will be looking at this afternoon especially. And so, as I preach you God's word, I'll do so under the following theme and points. I pray for victory in the battle against sin for your own good and for God's glory. And we have three points in connection with that theme. First of all, why we need this prayer, this petition. A second, how we pray this prayer. And finally, what we aim for with all of our prayers. So, I said in the introduction that we need victory over the devil. We all need to pray this petition. And why is that the case? Why is that so urgent? Well, it's because the devil has you in his crosshairs, so to speak. Satan knows you. He hates you. He sees your weaknesses and the sins you are tempted by, and he's trying with all his might to drag you down to hell with him. That's the reality. The question we need to ask is, do we understand that? Do we really understand that? Do we live every day knowing this is a reality? Or, even better, does your prayer life demonstrate that you take this truth seriously, that the devil is out to attack you and he's trying to destroy you. In order to see what's at stake in spiritual warfare, we do well to hear these words from Article 12 of the Belgic Confession. There we confess, the devils and evil spirits are so depraved that they are enemies of God 
and of all that is good, and with all their might, they lie in wait like murderers to ruin the church and all its members and to destroy everything by their wicked devices. Quite the description, isn't it? It's one we need to hear and to take to heart. See, one of the greatest dangers when it comes to spiritual warfare is not taking it seriously. We can get into a mode of living where we hardly think about sin, a temptation, or the devil at all. But that's when we are the most vulnerable to falling to temptation. You see, if you don't pray to God for help in this battle, well, God will allow the devil to attack you. And if you don't pray for God to deliver you from the evil one, then don't be surprised if the devil inserts doubts into your mind about the Christian faith or that he tempts you with the very sin that you struggle with. One thing that makes this battle so challenging is that part of us wants to give in to sin. See, all of us still has, have a sinful nature, which Scripture calls the flesh. And from our sinful flesh arise all kinds of evil desires and temptations. Now, in one sense, we need to understand that this is normal. It's a normal Christian experience. Any theology that says Christians no longer struggle against sin because they've been born again is simply false. Yes, we are new creations in Christ. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. But evil desires and temptations still plague us, and they will for the rest of our lives. And so we are in a battle, and this battle can be downright exhausting at times. Listen to how this is described in a reading from Galatians 5. There it says, The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Notice here from these words that the desires of the flesh are still within believers. That's a reality. Notice how it says that these are things that we want to do. Part of us wants to sin. Part of us wants to give in to temptation. It's a reality. And this is also where the influence of the world also fights against us. That's because the sinful world indulges these sins all the time. And as we see people embracing these sins that we are tempted towards, it can make them look all the more attractive to us. After all, the people of the world seem to be free, seem to be their own masters, living how they want to live. There's no tough battle against sin going on, and part of us might want to live that way too. This is why prayer is so crucial in this battle. Part of the enemy lies within. And that enemy inside us will never stop attacking us in this life. 
We need outside help from God because, again, a lot of the problem is in here. And so the way to gain that outside help is through prayer, praying to God. Not only that, but we need to pray against temptation because indulging simple desires is so destructive. You know, listen to what Galatians 6 teaches on this point. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Don't be deceived, it says. Why does it give that particular warning? Don't be deceived. That's because the devil tries to deceive us in this all the time. And our sinful hearts try to deceive us here again all the time. Together, they try to make us believe that indulging sin will make life better somehow. And that it will be good for us. We need to understand it's a complete lie. A man reaps what he sows, says God's word. If you sow to please the flesh, you will from the flesh reap corruption. It's simply the nature of sin. And so we should not be surprised by that. Think of this concept in terms of real farming. Imagine there is a farmer who says the following, I sowed Brussels sprout seeds in my field, and now I'm harvesting Brussels sprouts. I find that so frustrating. I don't even like to eat Brussels sprouts. I was hoping that when I sowed Brussels sprout seeds, I I would be able to harvest some sweet, juicy corn. That's what I like. That's what I was hoping I would get. What would you say to such a farmer? He would say, how foolish. If you sow seeds for Brussels sprouts in your field, then you're going to harvest Brussels sprouts. Even if you hate to eat them, that's what you're going to get. We can see the foolishness of that farmer. But so often... We cannot see the foolishness of sin and giving in to temptation. Satan, in our own sinful heart, would have us believe that if we sow to please sinful desires, we're going to harvest something wonderful. Don't be deceived. Don't be taken in. If you sow to please the flesh, if you work to gratify sinful desires, you're going to reap the painful consequences of sin. That is corruption, decay, trouble, hardships, and ultimately death. Right? There's that strong warning in Galatians 5, I warn you as I warned you before, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we need to speak the truth to ourselves. We all face temptations, all of us. Think of the particular temptation that you are most naturally pulled towards. How do you view it? As something pleasurable God is unnecessarily withholding from you? Or do you see it as it truly is? Something the devil is using to war against you and your soul. And so, beloved, seeing that should make us realize that we need to pray, to pray this petition. 
We need to pray to be led not into temptation. We need to pray to be delivered from the evil one and all sin. We need to pray to be given eyes so that we see sin for what it really is. We also need to pray because God is the source of our strength in this fight. You know, there is victory in this battle against temptation, but it's only in God. It's only in God, not in ourselves. You see, God has every resource available to empower us to fight and overcome sin. By His power, He can keep the devil in check. By His power, He can steer us off the path of temptation. So God is the source of our strength. There's victory in Him. We need to pray. That brings us to our second point, how we pray this prayer. So Galatians 5 instructs us to walk by the Spirit. It says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the evil desires of the flesh. Galatians 6 then instructs us to sow in order to please the Spirit. It says, if we sow to please the Spirit, then from the Spirit we will reap eternal life. And both of these things, walking by the Spirit, keeping in step by the Spirit, or with the Spirit, sowing to please the Spirit, include praying the sixth petition. This is one way that we sow to please the Spirit, praying this petition. So that's the basic, this is the basic framework of the sixth petition, petition, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now we need to dig into the details. The first step in praying this petition involves uh, searching the scriptures to identify sin and to understand what temptation is. After all, the Holy Spirit's main tool is the Word of God. And we get a great example of this in Galatians 5. After describing the battle between the desires of the flesh and the spirit, Galatians 5 says, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So by these words, by a list like, like this, the Holy Spirit shows us uh, many simple things that we might be tempted by. And praying to please the Spirit, in line with the sixth petition, means praying that these works and desires of the flesh would be put to death in us, and that we would no longer desire to do them. And you know what? That can be hard. Praying that in itself can be a struggle. After all, there's, remember, there's part of us that wants to indulge these sins. That's why they're, temp- they're tempting. Part of us wants to give in to them. You see, usually when we pray for things, we pray for things that we want. You know, we want God to provide us with health and with food and, and drink. And so for, uh, praying for those things is never a struggle. But when it comes to evil desires and temptations, we are essentially praying against what we naturally want. 
And so praying this petition will mean praying something like, like this. Father in heaven, deliver me from this evil desire that part of me wants to indulge in. Part of me wants to have this sin. May I not have it. Or it can be this. Father, I'm tempted by this particular sin. Work in me so that I would withstand that temptation and that the desire to engage in that sin would be wiped out and put to death. I urge you, beloved, to commit yourself to praying in this way. Yes, part of us wants to sin. But remember, simple desires are warring against your soul. They will not give you good in the end. And so go on the offensive against these evil desires. Pray that you would not indulge them. Identify specific temptations in your life and ask God to deliver you from those temptations. You see, prayer is the great weapon God has given us in this battle. Remember, the devil, it's a, sorry, prayer is a help we need to stand firm against the devil and all his attacks. Remember, the devil will try to insert all kinds of doubts into your mind, doubts about God, doubts about God's goodness, doubts about God's word, doubts about your salvation. And Satan's one aim is to make you fall away and to turn your back on the Lord. And so perhaps this is the great temptation we all might face in life. The devil will do all that he can to make it happen. And so pray also about this. Pray that you would never fall away from the Lord. Pray that you would persevere in faith right to the end. And when we do that, you know what? God will hear that prayer. He will hear that prayer through Jesus Christ, your Savior. He will keep you safe to the end. Think about what the Lord Jesus told Peter on the night when Jesus was betrayed. He said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. See, in himself, Peter would fall away completely. But Jesus Christ was praying for him, that he would not fall away completely. And that's because Christ is our mediator at the right hand of God. He's our faithful high priest who died for us and faced um, many temptations. And so your prayers are heard through Jesus Christ, your Savior, who looks on you in mercy. And remember, the Lord is merciful. God is your Father in Jesus Christ, and He knows that His children will struggle with these things. And so if you're struggling with doubts, maybe a specific doubt about the Bible, maybe doubts in general, please do not just let them stew away in your mind and gnaw at your heart. Bring them before God in prayer. Confess them to Him. 
Tell God what you're struggling about in your faith. Don't, don't hide it away. You can pray to him humbly. Lord, I don't understand this particular aspect about you. Please help me to trust and to understand as far as my ability allows. Or it can be something like this. Lord, I'm struggling with this part of your word. I'm having a hard time seeing how this works or fits together. Please show me the way. You can be assured God is not upset when his children come to him like that. Not at all. He wants his children to pour, pour out their hearts before him. What better person to bring our struggles in faith? Uh, what better person to bring them to than God himself? God remembers that we are only dust. And doing this will help to bring you relief also. So, bring these things before the Lord. He wants to hear from you. And as we pray this petition, pray not only about avoiding specific sins, but pray that you would more and more love what is good and, and love to please the Spirit. Right? There's the negative aspect to avoid and the positive aspect to embrace. Yes, we should pray that specific simple desires we are tempted by would be put to death. However, if if those evil desires are removed and not replaced with good desires, then it leaves a, a spiritual vacuum in our hearts. Sooner or later, new evil desires will arise, replacing the ones that were eliminated. And so this means we don't just pray that evil desires would go away. Instead, we pray that good desires, desires that please the Spirit, would take hold in our hearts more and more. You know, while I really am loath to quote the ancient philosopher Socrates in a sermon, I came across some advice of his that I believe is helpful here. Socrates supposedly, supposedly once said, The secret of change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Now, of course, he was probably speaking about some general change in people's lives, but we can apply them also to our, our growth in faith. We don't just avoid sowing to please our sinful nature. We don't just avoid not sinning. Instead, we aim to please the Spirit, to sow to please the Spirit. We aim to actively pursue good desires. This again means using Scripture to find out what pleases the Lord. Scripture is our guide. And once we see from Scripture how God wants us to live, we can pray for the power to do those very things. I'll give you a couple of examples. It can sound like this. Father, you command me in your word to put away all hatred of other people along with every desire to harm my neighbor. Work in me by your Spirit so that I not only put those evil desires to death, but that I would be filled with love. I would learn to love my neighbor as myself more and more. That I would do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And that I would grow in grace and patience for those around me. So not only avoiding the negative thing, but putting on 
the positive aspect as well. Here's another example. If you're married, it can sound like this. Father, you command me not to commit adultery. Work in me so that I not only put to death any and every desire for marital unfaithfulness, but that I would love my spouse with singleness of mind, and that I would be completely devoted to him or her alone, and that we would find much joy in our relationship together. See, not only avoiding the sin, but putting on what is good. Those are two examples with two of God's commandments, but we can follow that pattern when it comes to, to the rest of God's commandments too. That brings us to our last point. Now, Lord, say 52 ends with two shorter questions and answers about prayer in general. And this is a beautiful way to end not only our study of prayer, but also the entire catechism. Question 128 asks, how do you conclude your prayer? The answer, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is all this we ask of you because as our king, having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good because not we, but your holy name should so receive all the glory. What a fitting way to end our prayer. And these words, they also they give us the right perspective when it comes to prayer too. And we should ask ourselves some time, why do I pray for the things that I do? What's my motivation for asking uh, for all the things that I do ask God for? And why do I even desire the things that I do? You see, there's a motivation and desire behind every request we bring before God. And this ending described in the Catechism in Scripture, this ending to our prayer shows us how to shape our requests in a a godly way, with a godly focus. This is the aim and the motivation behind our petitions, that God's kingdom would come, that God's power would be made known and shown in this world, and that God's name would be glorified not only by us, but by everyone. And when this is our focus in prayer, we are assured that our prayers will please the Lord. And this helps us to pray in faith. God is our glorious and almighty King. He has the power and authority to give you everything that you ask Him for. Listen to the words of Ephesians 3. God is able to do far more abundantly than everything we can ask for or even imagine. Now look at that truth, that statement, in light of the petition we've also been studying this afternoon. Do you think that your sinful desire is just too powerful to be overcome? Well, think again. God is able to do far more abundantly than everything you can ask or think. He's able to change you and to overcome your temptations. And so we can pray in faith. The same goes for the very last word of our our prayers, that little word, amen. It's a word that we use because we pray in faith. Question 129 asks, what does the word amen mean? 
It is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of Him. Who can have that wonderful confidence? And why? Well, it's not because we're so good at praying. It's because He has promised to hear us through Jesus Christ our Lord. We come before God making our requests in Jesus' name. We ask God to hear us for the sake of Christ His Son, and we must remember, God delights in listening to His Son. He delights in His most beloved Son more than anything else there is. And so when we pray according to God's will, through Jesus Christ our Savior, we can be certain that God has heard our prayers through Christ. Amen. We will now sing together from Psalm 124, a psalm which describes also the help God gives us over our enemies and how God is our help and our salvation. Psalm 124, all three stanzas. <clears throat> 